The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Hello, I am Warren Munson, founder of Inspire and Evolve, and my guest on this week's episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast is James Pink of Captiva Homes. I was intrigued to get James onto the podcast to tell and talk about his story as a property developer. Setting up Captiva Homes in the early 2000s when the property industry was booming and having great initial success, but then, like many in the property sector, struggling when the financial crisis hit. However, through his guts, determination and resilience, surviving to tell the tale and once again thriving in more recent years. It's a really interesting story with lessons and takeaways for us all, but some salient points raised by James included. James saying that failure is a vital part of evolving both as a business person and as a human being. If you're trying to create a new spaceship or something, you're going to fail a thousand times, a million times to get that product. And I think as a human race, we can only learn from failures. How an incremental attitude to success kept him optimistic and motivated during the tough times. I talk about having that short term sort of what success looked like. You know, if you drive that down to a day to day success, actually getting through getting through the day that's that was success really. and james talks about his approach to excellence that encompasses both the homes he builds and the legacy he'll leave behind what is excellence what, what is an excellent development and again it wasn't about money it's about building communities and, and places that actually i can take my kids to and that they're proud that actually dad built this in 20 50 years time let's get on with the show Hello, James. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, Warren. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad at all. It's nice to be um, out in the sunshine on the sunny Isle of Wight. It's always sunny on the Isle of Wight, Warren. You always say that. <laughs> and is. actually, after recent weather, I was wondering what it would be like, but it is sunny. I've got to try to sell property on the Isle of Wight, so it's, uh, sun is one of our biggest sales. Yeah, <laughs> it must be nearly the most southerly point of the UK. Until you get sort of Cornwall and that sort of area. Yeah, but yeah, we're, we're pretty much down there. Good. Right. Let's get on with the podcast. So um, one of the things, clearly you're a successful property developer now. We're going to talk about your story and your journey, which is, you know, how does its ups, its downs, uh, as have many in the property kind of business over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, but let's just go right to the start and understand, obviously, clearly passionate about property. But where did that passion for property come from? Um I suppose my family business was in hotels uh, along the south coast. Um, I knew I didn't really want to get into that industry. It's, it's, it's a tough industry, um, and it wasn't something that really excited me overly much. Um, the property side at college, uh, one of my good friends, okay. her father seemed to drive a very nice car and do little work, and he was a property developer. So <laughs> that's that's the business I'd like to get into. Um, if only you knew the truth. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't found that mecca yet um, there. So it's from that sort of side, I knew I wanted to get into property, or at least find out what property was. So um, finished my A-levels, 
um, I had a place at um, university and I decided to take a year out. And instead of taking, going traveling or anything like that, I thought, actually, let's suss out what this property side is. So I, in those days, I went to the library, yeah. got the uh, massive yellow pages for London and uh, went for it and wrote to 50 estate agents in London uh, with a very flimsy CV and, uh, but with a lot of hunger in it, I think, and uh, said, you know, I want to get involved in this industry and uh, got quite a few job um, interviews and yeah. I got, a, I think, two or three job offers and uh, ended up working in Chiswick, okay. which is lovely. Because lovely part of London. Really nice part of London. And coming from the Isle of Wight um, in a, yeah, to go to Chiswick, it was, it was quite a, that villagey sort of feel of London, really. So, But having London on your doorstep as well. So I was a young uh, 18 and a half year old, uh, nearly 19 year old out in the big smoke um, and trying to understand what property was. Okay. And did it give you that indication of what property was all about? Um, it certainly gave me more of a gauge than what I was. I mean, I, I think when I first went up there, I, I had this word of property developer and I, I probably didn't actually even know what that was or what that industry was. Um, I, I worked there for 18 months and really got a good gauge of what property is uh, yeah. i work more on the letting side okay uh, but also had really good integration with the sales side as well so really got a good gauge of what the property market was um did it give you no it didn't give me the whole out and out picture no. <laughs> by any means but uh, I, I knew i think by the end of it i certainly knew what a property developer was and what the different elements of property was from there and uh, so that, that yeah it opened my eyes up really and i suppose also coming from the isle of wight gave me the bigger world yeah uh, which is really important so from there, um, I was lucky. Was I had a job? I got a. Um, I bought a flat up there. Uh, it was uh, above a shop, but it had a big loft with it. Really, so I thought oh, I'll convert the loft. Okay, so, so that was your first ever. That was the first, yeah, the first development. I should get a hold of it actually, but uh, yeah. So I converted the loft um, and got the trades up from the Isle of Wight um, because London trades were quite expensive. So, um, yeah, got the trades up from the Isle of Wight, put them up in some quite dodgy B&Bs. But <laughs> I'd say they didn't whinge about it, but they really did whinge about it on a, <laughs> on a daily basis. So I was trying to hold down a job, manage that, that side of it as well. And also living in the flat whilst they doing the conversion as well. So it was quite an uncomfortable time. But we, we got the conversion done. They put an extra room onto the flat, um, managed to remortgage it, uh, which gave me capital then to buy another house up in London. Okay. Um, from that side... I had some good contacts um, in the agency world. And uh, okay. one of my colleagues who didn't work in my firm, but worked in another firm, we worked together, I think, for about three months, um, said, look, I've got this house coming on. hasn't been touched since the 1940s. Do you fancy having a look at it? <clears throat> it was in a good part of Chiswick again. So I knew the okay. marketplace. So you knew the kind of locality. Yeah, I knew, knew the marketplace, knew the customer who we wanted to sell to. And so very much looked at... Uh, converting well again did the loft conversion to there but it was a total refit of there and again used the same trades uh, so the accommodation couldn't be that bad because they came back <laughs> you didn't have to improve the accommodation then. <laughs> well no not much and but... were you working at the agency at this time no I, I left the agency at that time so once i was able to remortgage i had a bit of capital then to uh, okay to use myself and so that was your first step into full-time development at age 20 20 yeah Okay. Yeah, 2021, really. So I sold that property pretty quickly. So we really sold it off plan. So as we were doing the work, okay. we uh, found a buyer, buyer a lovely solicitor, uh, who right. wanted to spend lots of money at the time. So this was the late this. 90s, market strong at that time. Yeah, market well, strong, yeah, it's about to become very strong, really. Okay. Um, so I guess late 90s, it was, it was fairly flat with a steady growth, but yeah. it wasn't these peaks. 
Um, so sort of 2001, um, I managed to sell that property and have enough capital to uh, move back to the Isle of Wight. Okay. And, uh, and I did a joint venture then with a builder. Okay. And so it was, it was quite a nice situation. I built bought the land uh, on the Isle of Wight and he obviously did the building. Uh, we funded a bit of the building as well, but okay. it was a divvy up of profits. At the and end what of was that a development of? It was a development of 11 apartments okay. uh, right on the seafront in Freshwater on the Isle of Wight. Beautiful location. Um, so I really jumped in the deep in that. That point. was a kind of, yeah, that was an all or nothing move, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was quite exciting. Uh, and, and I think lucky to have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and it was a very steep learning curve, really, uh, to actually understand what the construction side is. Yeah. And also then, obviously I knew the sales side from working in the agency, but... But then you're selling multiple units, aren't you? And you yeah. can't sell any to the building's complete. So yeah. you're... Cash flow. So cash, about cash flow. Though, cash flow, uh, funding, uh, yeah. bank funding, uh, and again, not had, didn't have a huge track record, but I had a little track record behind yeah. me. We've done this, so we've done that and one. In those house. days, that was enough, wasn't it? That little bit of track record. Uh, Carlsberg banking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> banking. Those days are long gone. <laughs> they have, unfortunately. That, the, the, the banking model is very different nowadays, and you know, I suppose that um, that banking model in those days really helped us to grow very quickly. Okay. Um, we went on from there, did another joint venture with the same builder, uh, this time over in Bournemouth. Okay. So you uh, stepped off the Isle of Wight, off the, Isle of Wight. the mainland. Um, so and we started to look at multiple projects at that time, really. So in Bournemouth, we, bought, uh, we built 28 flats, okay. uh, underground car parking. So quite from a construction point of view, uh, quite a big construction project. Um, but again, joint venture. So that cash burn wasn't as bad as, as, as necessarily it would be if you were investing yourself there, but had good funding as well. Um, and then we also were buying another bit of land on the Isle of Wight. So we bought eight acres of, well, at the time it was just brambles. and uh, But it had an old house up there, which I, I pushed my dog up. Right. <laughs> to go and see if there's anything see. out there. Well, some, I think someone uh, mentioned... Visions of a haunted house kind it, of scenario. Very much, very much like that, actually. Okay. It was, um, someone mentioned to me and that it was an old house up there. And I thought, oh, okay. So I, I kind of pushed my dog up there. And, uh, right came across this fairy tale old house basically it was an old hotel and it burnt down i think in the 80s early 80s and just hadn't been touched really so the whole grounds were very grown um there were swimming pools there there was tennis courts but all dilapidated i mean the roof has fallen in this building the whole lot wow but you know really actually managed to see a bit of potential in that and uh, i think that was the first big project i really took on obviously we right. had the bournemouth one which is great but the first one that i really led from from start so there was finish. no jv in this no one. jv at this all was this was you as a so, yeah. developer um well actually i found out that when i did a land search on who owned it uh, there was a company in uh, ride uh, who or, or a gentleman in ride who owned it and uh, he was actually going for planning for a very gorgeous looking georgian style building basically and it was uh, you know, a lot of stonework and Stunning looking building, um, yeah, a bit like Buckingham Palace, that's sort of okay. which maybe wasn't the market which was going to sell or certainly wasn't going to move in there. But I can remember walking into his office and saying, Can I speak to Mr. Cross? And he said, Well, and the guy was probably in his 70s and probably smoked, I'd say, about 90 cigarettes a minute. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was like a scene in the 1970s, really. Yeah. And, and he said, uh, Who's talking? I said, My name's James Pink. Well, what do you want? And not knowing this was the guy, I said, well, there's a plot of land I'm interested in that he owns. And he said, okay. And so we started talking about it. 
he was a real wily old boy, basically. Okay. Had and you sussed out at this point that he was the landowner? Well, he, he, then, he, he obviously confessed, t- he, confessed he, he was the landowner. And he put me through my paces a fair bit. Um, we went for a sandwich, so it, it, it progressed very quickly. And I think by sort of eight o'clock that evening... Um, and his hundredth cigarette. <laughs> yeah, a plus, I think. Um, we had done a deal over a glass of wine watching the sunset. Wow. And uh, that was it, really. So, yeah, that was great, really. From... So what did you build there? We built... Well, we changed the planning. Okay. Uh, so initially, we, we bought that land subject to him getting his planning, which gave us the principle for development. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, changed that to... So we bought four, uh, built 14 apartments, and then um, we had six coach-style houses off the back of that, swimming pool, tennis courts. Did all the landscaping, so you would acres of parkland-style grounds back to where it was with um, yeah swimming pool, tennis wow. courts, and the whole lot. So that was a big that was a big change from going from sort of development, you know, own property effectively, which you know many of us have done, to actually step into the proper development world, into doing the JVs, into doing that big development, you know, as you as an individual with no JV partner. What what are the biggest lessons you learn in that process? Um, well, I think to some degrees I was quite naive in there because uh, we went out for tender on that project as well. And the building, we had to keep those elements of that grandeur, that Georgia, Georgian sort of building. So again, still a lot of stonework in there. And um, I, we got the tender prices back in. Uh, we went out to three contractors uh, on it. And um, the prices were astronomical. And... I think we said screw it, let's do it ourselves. So we actually set up our own contracting arm as well. On right. That. Okay. So, and what, how many people in the business at that? Point? So it was just two of us at that point. Okay. So Justin's literally just joined me. So we're okay. we're a week into um, those tenders coming in. Um, Justin, who's still with us now, yeah, just yeah. joined, and it was like screw it, let's do it ourselves. Let's right. see if we can build this ourselves. So uh, we went forward with the construction arm of the business as well. So. Yeah, there was some big lessons there, yeah. real big lessons. And then the big one being perhaps naivety, but do you think, I suppose that naivety did play to your benefit, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was sort of mid-20s, so early to mid-20s. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much so. It was a can-do attitude. Um, and it's, you know, paraphrasing, so Rich Branson, you're screwed, yeah. let's do it. It was, yeah, it, it was that sort of attitude, actually. Why can't we do this, actually? What, what are the barriers to stopping us doing this? And actually, it's project management more than actually construction. So uh, it worked, and it did work. We built a wonderful building, um, yeah, I, and we were in control of that process as well. Okay, and that felt must have felt completely different then. Yeah, again, you know, we had 50 guys underneath us at that sort of stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, subcontractors, but, you know, you were... That day in day out, these guys are looking at you to um, to, to drive that business, and uh, yeah, that that was it was hard work. How did you do that in your mid twenties? Because you know, wily old kind of contractors, experienced what they do, you um, know, very independently minded, you know, probably. Uh, and there's you and Justin, similar ages, sort of mid twenties, trying to run this big development. Yeah, I'd I'd say we probably got run around the houses a fair bit at the beginning, but I can remember. Uh, the the bricklayers taking me into the hut and saying we're walking off site, and again it's you've got to be quite hard with it with that sort of person. Say well, fine, we'll walk off site, but you know, why? And yeah, you know, actually, once you run around the houses a couple of times, they uh, they don't necessarily have the right answers, and then they come back and say, oh look, we will do it. And okay. yeah, so so yeah, people do try to take the mick really, but it's it's all about saying actually we need this delivery by this time, and, and actually. 
it's just a process really do you think that kind of naivety then stayed with you yeah i think or is it that youthful exuberance of we can achieve which which one do you think or did they both come with you i think they both came with me to a degree um it it's hard um obviously going through being through a recession and going through it very hard um yeah, yeah we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about the yeah, session. Um, yeah. It's hard not to hold back some of those, I wouldn't say resentments, but some of that security, you want to keep more security. Yeah. Um, but obviously pre-recession, um, to some degrees, every man and their dog was a developer. Yeah. So, you know, the bank funding was, you know, anyone could have got yeah. bank funding. For I mean, you use the great term only a Carlsberg banking yeah. and everybody could develop because yeah. the banks just wanted to, put, um, wanted to put the money out there, didn't they? So from that side of it, it was, it was very easy. For, if you've got the funding to do something and it, it was very much in those days, we'll build it and they will come. Mm. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say we were sophisticated building. We had some wonderful projects and great locations. And I think that was, they talk about location, location, location. Yeah. But actually, we did find some really good locations, and it was the right product for the market. Now, I wouldn't say we were overly intelligent in how we did that, but yeah. we, we did it, and we, I suppose there was a luck element to that as well. Um, but yeah, getting getting the team, getting the contractors, we, we learned a lot very quickly. Um, certainly, from that project, we went on to another project which uh, had planning on already, so we didn't have any planning risk, and that was for 32 apartments again. Again, overlook the other side of the Isle of Wight, overlooking Sandown Bay. Okay, so um, location, as you say, with a great view. St- stunning view, absolutely stunning view. Um, it was architecturally not the most prettiest building. I, you know, it was certainly something I wouldn't choose. We wanted to amend it, but the the, the planning issues around that uh, would have cost us a lot of money, basically. Mm. So we, we thought we'd just crack on and build them. The apartments were good, really good size as well. So they're, they're quite a unique product in their own right. So... Um, we went through that project very well and again we were principal contractor ourselves in that project so there was a huge learning curve um, and I think at that point you know we're talking about so 2005 2006 okay so the market's still really good and yeah and I suppose that that's a question that that some developers always say on reflection were they making money as a developer or were they making money because of the rising market um Bit of both, really, yeah. but I, I think you know, we were definitely making money as developers. Yeah, because you were controlling your yeah, costs. and for me, it, it was it wasn't always about property; it was about money. It, not not the physical money, but about the counterfeit, about the figures, and the, actually, we had to make those margins. We had to do it. everything had a margin on, and we had to make sure that you know we were turning that profit and that profitability of the company was all the way through there. I mean, I love a spreadsheet. Absolutely right. love a spreadsheet. So. <laughs> But so, that's yeah, but that's the discipline, isn't it? And I think that was the discipline. Some at that time weren't fulfilling. Yeah, and I they weren't managing every penny. And yeah, and I don't think you you needed to really. You you could get away with it even if you had a rubbish product. Yeah, you know, the market would would that wave would override you, and you you would be able to sell. Um, I think we were quite wary of where that that market was. Yeah. Um, so certainly, two thousand six, we we made a decision that. The top end residential, more holiday homes, I'd say, product that we were selling. Um, was that very much your market? Because you were doing premium. Certainly, of the, certainly, yeah, yeah. Certainly, the Sea View site was. Um, certainly, the, the the site looking over Sandon Bay was fi- probably about fifty fifty. Um, but that that higher end, certainly for the Isle of Wight, that higher end uh, apartment block was bubbling at the time, yeah. and, and trying to buy land was was really hard. Because you're up against people who, who have never done a development in their life and has got a bit of cash. The bank are willing to chuck most of it in there. You know, it was happy days, really. So you had non-property experts, non-property people 
business owners or anything thinking, actually, I can make a buck out of this. Yeah. So that market... And not working the spreadsheet, not working the numbers, just thinking actually... And also, you know, not working to a percentage. So, you know, as a developer, we ideally want to make around 20%. Okay. That, that's sort of the industry yeah. average for a development. Um, obviously, they're, they're pushed depending on where it, what, what sort of development that is and what sort of cash um, burn that's, that development's got. So apartment block, you probably want 20%, maybe a housing site, you want less. But in those days, people weren't looking at those percentages. They were more thinking... I can make half a million pounds out of this or I can make a million pounds yeah. out of this. So it was more of that monetary figure that people were looking at. Yeah, not a proper business the, the, Not a proper business. So that market was getting really tight to buy land. Um, so it's very hard, even on the Isle of Wight, to actually really look at buying something. And, and again, people are valuing a land, what it might be worth in two years' time. Yeah, with, with, a, the with a growth factor against it. So, and you can't get swept up in that. You've no. got to be really careful and saying, actually, this is where we are today. So but when you've got momentum, it must have been difficult not to get swept up in that. Well, I think by a twist of fate, really, um, by having the construction arm really took our eyes off the ball a little bit. So we were more concentrating on running that construction side for ourselves. Yeah. But nursing whinging bricklayers for instance okay. you know they've broken a nail or something but looking after that sort of site management probably yeah. took our eye off the ball of actually delivering and it got to a point where we're coming to the end of one of our sites and okay. we thought oh christ we've got to buy something so we need to keep this going but equally it allowed us to say or, or learn that actually maybe we shouldn't have the construction arm because it's too much of a distraction mm. So we closed down the construction side of the business and very much looked at just the development side of the business. Okay. Um, and we we saw the marketplace was hot, um, burning hot at the time. And we thought like, we'll look at more in-town, first-time buyer or investor market property. Okay. Um, so very different from what we've done before, but from a risk profile, pretty low risk really. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, because your unit prices are less. And... Yeah, unit prices are less. Uh, at that time, that churn of stock was a lot quicker. Uh, you could probably sell most of it off plan. Um, and also, you know, development costs would be a lot lower as well. So yeah. you were in the buy, we were in the buy to let boom as yeah, well, weren't we at that time? Yeah, very much so. So, you know, every, again, every man and their dog was buying property, yeah. um, which was great. Um, but also, so at the time, we've accumulated cash. Um, We've pretty much sold out most of the stock. Um, we've bought a cheaper land site and uh, development. We've bought other bits of land as well. Um, but again, the Carlsberg Bank was there all yeah. the way through. So uh, you had good funding. And we were actually very lowly geared at that point as well. Okay. Um, considering where we are. So we're cash rich. Um, yeah. I think I got distracted again. Okay. I was going to say, how was life for you personally at that point? Because you've ridden a kind of wave of you know, yeah. hard work, hard graft, but... A wave of success. Yeah. And what were you, late 20s? Uh, this is sort of, so, yeah, 27 sort yeah, of thing okay. at this time. Um, well, I had an Aston Martin, a very big house, so uh, <laughs> okay. it was a swimming pool. So, you know, it was good. Yeah. Um, you know, life was very good. Um, and actually, that sort of, you, you weren't very vulnerable, really. You, you, everything you touched went, turned to gold as yeah. such. Um, you know, not saying everything but but you know actually the majority of stuff you could do with the market rolling you, you, you're riding a wave yeah so from that side of side yeah it, it was it was quite easy and you talk uh, about distractions were those things in life the distractions or no 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 okay. no not at all um distractions was the marketplace really um i saw the property 
market being very um, volatile, really. You know, yeah. We were right at that top of that, that peak. And diversification was something I really want, was dreaming for. So okay. knowing that actually, yes, I can have the property business, but actually, can I spend some of that cash and get something else, uh, which is away from property, um, to secure that position, I guess, really. Um, but then you start taking your eye off your core yeah. business. And the thing that you've grown up knowing and loving and well, was the I passion. Yeah. What you're an expert, really, yeah. and know, know what you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that there was plenty of distractions, really. Um, I suppose in some and ways... there were other investments, other opportunities? Yeah, investments, um, right. international investments as well. Okay. So, you know, we looked at sort of modular housing in, in China. Um, okay. You know, very much wanted to know, um, try and diversify, not just, well, I suppose, internationally, really, but I suppose always with the core of property behind it, because that, yeah. that was my, what I knew. Um, so yeah, there was there was a number of sort of investments around the place, really, just just wanting to try diversify a little bit from out, out of the UK property mm. market and maybe outside the Isle of Wight property market. So also looking yeah. at affordable housing, uh, which is really, I'm really passionate about affordable housing, and most developers aren't, but it's okay. something I really believe in. Um, and that was a combination of looking at if we get cheap product from China, can we pass those savings onto the end user? Um, okay. So yeah, I, I kind of. A bit of a tangent really but yeah <laughs> along those property lines but outside your core residential sort of property market and looking back at those times now what are the lessons that you did learn i wouldn't change it okay i wouldn't change it at all um i think you need to celebrate yeah. failure uh, and it, it was failure um, okay. again naivety um to some degrees but i, I wouldn't change it at all I, i've learned a lot to where i am now so what do you think you learn from failure um, I think we can only learn from failure. Any evolution, you, you, if you're trying to create a new spaceship or something, you're going to fail a thousand times, a million times to get that product. And I think as a human race, we can only learn from failure. So what, what have I learned personally from there? Um, actually, not get distracted by shiny things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> The house, the cars. The well, not, not just material things, but not to get distracted by, you know, know what you're good at. Yeah. Do what you're good at, yeah. uh, understand what you're good at. And actually there's huge opportunities in whatever you do in life and do the best you can in life. You know, yeah. really, really try to do the best you can. But when you've got an entrepreneurial mindset, which clearly, you know, from the story so far, James, you have, it's very hard not to get distracted by the new shiny idea, the new shiny thing. So how do you, you know, we'll come back to your story, but how do you remain disciplined not to get distracted by shiny things now? I think my character is that visionary sort of side. Yeah. Um, so there is, there is always going to be that distraction. But if you can focus it in your industry and where you want to go, then there's so much you can do in your own industry to, to, to move forward. Um, we're in a very changeable place at the moment where we are at the business. And obviously we can talk about this later on. But um, yeah, actually driving your own business, I think, is the key now. It's, it's yeah. actually understanding... You, what you're doing and there's so many different things you can do in in your core business yeah. to drive that forward uh without getting distracted by other industries or, or so other opportunities so that is about having that grander goal ambition ambition vision about where you want to go and, and driving towards that i suppose yeah and, and that is it really and you know someone asked me the other day what is success and i, I couldn't ask, answer that really and do i feel a bit sorry i can't answer yes i do yeah. But actually, that's just my character because that's my bar yeah. there. But when I hit that bar, where's the next bar? Yeah. And 
that constant strive for to be the best and to to push forward and do you think that times makes you reflect on whether because sometimes if you can't determine what success is there can be that moment where you're never content you're never happy you see that in your personality there's there's that risk um and yes i do but actually if you take it in small goals then you're always content yeah You, you you set yourselves your goal so in the next year next three years next 10 years is when i go yeah 10 years is a dream mm. um three years is where the goal is and if you can get to there then you can get to there so every level you 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 get success yeah and even if that's on a day-to-day yeah then you can get success and that, that's what can put a smile on your face yeah, I'm, I'm sat here smiling away, <laughs> yeah, you actually. are indeed <laughs> we need to do a, a vlog <laughs> a podcast so you can see the smile on his lips. so so you're developing you're thinking about affordable buy to let type you know let's go back to the core story around you know uh investor type properties that you're building you're selling some off plan so we're 2006 were we saying around yeah, two, about 2007 now coming okay. into sort of 2008 Ooh, so times are about to change yes James. yeah the, the clouds are coming over okay. um, the banks took away the umbrellas which yeah. we had um and i suppose it's to some degrees i, I felt in quite a comfortable position we were very lowly geared um, something I didn't really think about or give enough thought about is that we had a hedge yeah. with a high street bank. Won't mention any names. Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> and obviously the hedge interest rates dropped down. Uh, the market obviously stopped. Um, and this hedge was actually seen as a, a negative product. Uh, okay. so, so in the sort of gearing profile, it was it was big money, mm-hmm. which was in our balance sheet was... Off the, off the scale now so um the bank um, were you sat on any land or any properties mid-development sort of 2008 yeah so we've pretty much finished the first time buyer development we were looking at in newport on the isle of Wight, so town center um sold probably about a third off plan or, or, or were completing that but still left us we're not talking big numbers so probably left with 14 stock okay. items yeah there. so that's um, manageable i assume yeah well, you Yes, you'd, you'd hope so. <laughs> okay. um, and we had a land holding um, in uh, Shanklin as well, so which um, had three separate planning applications, but the plan was to amalgamate those into one largest site uh, to really, really, really look at it. But the problem was the market stopped and the banks certainly weren't lending any money and certainly weren't lending any money on the Isle of Wight and wanted everything back. So suddenly going from... Uh, quite a good loan-to-value position and yeah. uh, to be told that actually the values aren't there now. Um, read the small print and, yeah, actually now you're in special measures um, and we're going to wow. pretty much take everything. So suddenly overnight we had no income. Right. Um, so you had nothing. We didn't have a big operation. There's still just the two of us. Okay, um, so at this time just you and Justin yeah, still? Two just of the you. two of us. So, Outsourcing other Yeah, so we pretty much from the contract side of it, we um, subcontracted to okay. a principal contractor, and that contract was pretty much fulfilled um, so, at that time. So we had we had a finished product, and we had land right. as well. But and, you had the units that you couldn't sell. And I suppose that must be one of the godsends, you know, fortuitous as it was, that you moved out of contract, moved into the contracting model rather than having your own team. Yeah, yeah, very much so, because otherwise you'd have that big bucket of water you're swirling around. Yeah. 
and you just know, carrying the overhead or trying to reduce the overhead yeah. Yeah, and when that slows actually, down you were able to contract quite quickly yeah so we could yeah cut our cloth accordingly really um again quite lucky i sold the big house before this happened okay um and i was very lucky to get a very good price for that as well so personally i wasn't in a bad position um yeah. but equally you had no income you had the bank breathing down your neck for absolutely every penny was which was ever derived from any sale so that was quite a hard place, really. To to we, there was no moving forward, really, right. and no certainty where the banks wanting. And certainly, the hedge was a very confusing product for us. We we didn't necessarily understand what we necessarily signed up to. Yeah, um, as many didn't. Well, yeah, and as transpired. Well, yes, very much so. And you know, it's to be that that big debt over you as well. And yeah, there's not much you could do except buy yourself out of that. And yeah. We didn't have any money to buy ourselves no, out of that. No, or any so. cash you did have personally, I assume, was going now. Was going straight Flowing back. the other way. It had been straight flowing back. towards you to build the wealth. Yeah. But actually must have been flowing back into the company. Yeah, well, back to the bank, really. So it yeah. wasn't, you know... It, it was it's Into the company. Yeah. Back to the bank. Straight to the bank. So it was, a, it was a, quite a scary time. Yeah. Really scary time. Um, you know, it's it's hard when you have... You can't do anything... You have no power to do anything and you have no cash to do anything. So for actually going from great successes to yeah, very quickly. Wrote, there, there was not so far from what there, there's no, there was no point of, there would have been some difficulties and some challenges, but there'd been no um, sort of point of despair in your no. journey to that point. Had there? No. And it, you literally hit that, that brick wall straight away. So that it wasn't even a gradual effect. It was bang. You know, we want, we want our debt back. Uh, as they probably did to everyone, really. Yeah. Um, and I think there's two ways you deal with that. You either put your head in the sand and say, actually, you deal with it, and give, literally hand it over to the bank and let them try to sort, it, sort out the mess, or work with them and say, actually, look, we'll do our best to sell these. Um, let's try to work together. And we took the, the sort of latter approach of actually, let's work with the bank. Let's be proactive with the bank. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, being nice guys, they might be nice back, really. Um, but it, it was a tough time. Yeah. From a personal kind of, I'm going to say mental health, that's probably the wrong word, but from a time in your life when you reflect on the effect that that had on you away from work, how do you kind of feel that? Yeah, um, so personally, it, it hits you quite hard as well. So um, combined with going through a divorce, <laughs> right? Um, it, it, it was a bit of a double bubble, really. Um, it, was, it was a very tough time personally. And yeah, to the degree where okay, kids are in private school. Mm. Um, how do I pay the school fees? I have no income. Uh, yeah. I have no nothing else I can sell. Um, it, it's very hard. And I suppose personally, I probably put my head in the sand at that time. Yeah. And you know, actually, if I just hide away from this a little bit, actually, you don't you don't have that that nagging of, of that, that debt problem personally as well. So. Yeah, it was a real tough time. Um, it got to a point where actually you got to get your head out of the sand. You got to talk to people. Mm. You actually, if you start talking to people, got to actually go do something about it. Yeah, it works. So yeah, actually go to the school and say, look, yeah, I'm committed to this. This is where I'm moving forward on. But the yeah, actually, you got, we're going to have to have some payment plan actually, and you know, I'll do my best to keep to that payment plan. But things will good be good, and and people were good. People were very responsive to that, really. Um, but yeah, it's a tough time. You got to swallow your pride in some ways, and yeah. and, and get on with it. So. Yeah, real tough time and hard. And do you think you're, and we'll come on to, you know, I've 
been with you around the island today and to see some of the stuff that's happening and some of the developments that you're working on now and, and it's amazing and we'll come to that but so you've clearly got some drive and some hunger and some determination to succeed back but do you think that knocked you do you think at that time was it just about survival or did you have a vision of the future um and had that vision of the future changed yeah did i have a vision yes i always had a vision um was it not yes um i guess from aspirations and having the rug pulled away from you um you you reflect on the past mm-hmm. um you i suppose you're quite humble about what what has happened and, and, and where you want to get to i suppose you you always got that inner sort of drive of a can do you know actually this is not impossible and actually how can you do that? I suppose at those early stages, you, you're hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. So you are getting up every morning. You are trying to do this. You are trying to drive to make a buck here or there. And yeah, yeah it, it's hard. Um, but I suppose, yes, you have the aspiration to, to have a vision and the vision to get back out there and do what you do and to and to keep the company up going. You know, I, I wasn't, I didn't want to say, actually, that's it. Let's pull the rug on the company. We, we want to survive this. Which should have been the easier option. Oh, yeah, definitely. You could have pulled the rug and, and started again somewhere else and actually yeah. just started slowly. But actually, I didn't want to add pride in what, the name of what the company was and, and actually we wanted to move forward. So to me, it wasn't a matter of giving up. It was a matter of how do you deal with these daily problems. And again, I talk about having that short-term sort of what success looked like. Now, if you drive that down to a day-to-day success, actually getting through getting, getting through the day, that's that was success really so it was as simple as that it was yeah and you know it it was a dark time it really was a dark time but i think if if you can always see the vision and and actually where you want to get to then actually why not why can't you get there and was there a turning point is there a point where you think actually yes hindsight now we that moment we went to the local authority um and we we've gone through Every high street bank, um, every sort of secondary bank, and seeing if we can get funding from places. And a flattered development on the Isle of Wight wasn't on anyone's agenda. No. Really. Um, we had a meeting with the local authority, and it wasn't, I, I think it was about affordable housing. So I'm still trying to keep my finger in the pulse of what's going on. And, yeah. and the gentleman in the local authority basically said, have you heard about this new government fund, which has come out? And it was called Get Britain Building, um, built by the Homes Communities Agency. So we um, we said, oh, no, we haven't, but we'll look it up. So we literally, as soon as we got back, um, at, at the time we were working from home, um, got back home, got the laptop out, and the, the closing date was the next day for okay. this fund. <laughs> and there was a fair bit of red tape information that they required. So um, a lot of so a very late night that night, um, yeah. and we managed to put this application in. Um, so this was probably so July two thousand and one, I'd say. One or two? No, two, uh, oh, oh, sorry, two thousand eleven. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, or it could even be 2011, I think. And in September, we got through to the next stage. So our initial sort of brief, um, I think, four-page application has okay. been accepted. Yeah. And that was pretty amazing, actually. And then um, suddenly that gave me a, a drive to, yeah, there, there were reports we had to do. I mean, huge amounts of information they needed. So it wasn't like a bank application. There was... The, the DD they required was immense. And access to government money to achieve a purpose, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
And we, so we submitted all these forms. They then, their surveyors came down, had a look, had a chat through. Um, so basically it was December the 18th, I think. And I, okay, <laughs> so there's a turning point. Yeah. There's a specific day. <laughs> um, we, we got the phone call that the application had been successful and they're now going into legals. So at that point it was... Yeah, happy Christmas. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was it was, it was was actually a really amazing time. Um, it, it, it's changed our lives, really. Mm. Um, so we, we're actually able to get going. Yeah. We're actually able to build. We still have the high street bank debt yeah. there uh, so they're still bringing it on neck but there was hope to tell them that actually the homes in england funding yeah. will buy you out um of the debts um and we did a deal with them and right. so by january i think it was literally the end of january january the 31st we um we did the deal with homes england uh, completely on the legals got the funding from them to buy out the high street bank yeah, and then we uh, started building that day. Well, actually, we we actually started building before we got the funding. But okay, <laughs> that's the entrepreneurial, hopeful spirit. Bit of juggling, yeah. <laughs> we actually started on the seventh of January. I can remember that on site. Okay. So, um, but and yeah. what were you building at that time? Then? So, again, flatted schemes on the Isle of Wight was really hard. Uh, yeah. So we we looked at the model and looked at actually what has been selling really well, and the McCarthy and Stone model, so that over fifty five, yeah. sort of like Churchill model. Uh, worked very well on the Isle of Wight in the demographics of the Isle of Wight. Um, so we got planning during that lull period, really, to convert this into an over 55 scheme. And we looked at building that. Well, we did. We built that. Did that. So, yeah. So that was 36 apartments. Okay. But it got the ball rolling. Yeah. It really good. And when you reflect back now on, you know, that relationship with you and Justin, two of you in the business, and working together through those three, four years of... Yeah, there was no Adversity, money. Diversity, yeah. No money. Um, I suppose Justin, although had a smaller shareholding at that, that time, uh, minority shareholder, but not getting any wages, he stayed there. You know, he, yeah. he stayed along. And, you know, he did another project management job around on the outside just to make cash, but, you know, devoted to, to working through that time with us and trying to get the best answer to move forward, really. So, yeah, dark times for both of us. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just me. It, it was all of us to that yeah. that leap of faith really to to stick in there and, and work our way through there and, and negotiate some very hard deals um you know with, with the banks about how that exit is going to happen um and make sure they're comfortable with that and we were comfortable and then we had a third party of homes england was comfortable with it so right. it was it was a quite interesting thing really so uh, what happens then then you know takes it up to the present day then what's you know, what's, what's it been like in the last eight years? Because the property market's been okay, but it hasn't been a growth and yeah, exciting have... market. Funding's still restricted in your sector. So how have you taken the business forward? Well, it's, I suppose from from the point of getting that funding from the Homes Community Agency, um, we're out the blocks. So the, the rate, we're back on now. Yeah. Um, and so we're building product. Um, we're, we're looking at trying to sell products and... So it was it was a it was a new business in some ways. Um, yeah, we had to really work hard at actually understanding first off what is what are the unique selling points of this over fifty five model, and really start trying to drive those out and and get that out into our marketing. Uh, so we're very concentrated on on that side of it, um, and yeah, you know, life was good at this time really. You know. We didn't necessarily have a huge income because yeah. all the funding was really going back into the site. But but we were busy, mentally busy in, in doing 
doing the site, building the site out. I suppose there's a difference, and we all would have um, felt it in life when you're making positive steps forwards. Then actually, your mindset changes completely. Oh, yeah. You become the growth mindset starts to kick in. Oh again, yeah, definitely. It? And yeah, certainly from my sort of side, that that trigger's gone now. You know, actually, yeah. where can we go? What can we do? And actually. Yeah, maybe one, two, but hunger, I think, yeah. is, is probably the best thing. You know, if, if you've been starved, starved for so many years, you, you're going to be hungry, but you're used to not eating much, and then you, you, you want to get out there and, and, and really go for it. So, so there was certainly ambition, but obviously a restricted ambition. We could, we could, really go, we could only go far, as far as the, the little funding we had. Um, but it, that was exciting times, and actually it wasn't about money at that time. Uh, it, it was about actually building something different yeah. uh, building uh, I wouldn't say a brand at that stage because it wasn't a brand so we got branded individual developments at that stage but actually again coming back to doing the best we can and building the best we can I, I'm, I, people that have heard me speak and I read the book and bits and pieces for me I'm, you know, I've had that mistake of focusing on the money and then you know, realising that the money doesn't come or the money comes but at a cost yeah. Uh, in terms of the culture and the business, not creating a brand, not satisfying your clients, being very short term in your decision making. And I, I, I completely believe that you don't focus on the money, focus on creating a great business I, I think and, you... and satisfying your clients and your customers. And the money comes as a consequence of. Yeah, I, I 100% believe in that. And I, I think if you asked me that pre recession, so 2006, it would have been a very different answer to where I am now. And even more so now. I mean, w- w- I suppose we'll come on to where, where we are now, but yeah. you know, I, I really believe in that sort of side is actually you concentrate on doing the best and actually what is excellence and, and yeah. actually focusing that side from there. So from there, um, we got rid of the High Street Bank. Uh, we're now we're Homes England. We're developing. Are you still funded by them today? Uh, yes, but in different schemes. So okay. we've got a very yeah, good working scheme relationship. Scheme by scheme, yeah. I assume. And under that scenario, must yeah, be. the whole high street banking uh, for for the property industry has changed. Yeah. Uh, it's very restrictive. Um, I'd like to do high street banking, but actually, it's um, different projects are different things. Really. Yeah. So you've got to look at each one individually. So yeah, Homes England, which are, was HCA. Uh, are doing funding for us now okay. but also we're working with our other institutes as well um, but I think from from there we, um, we're halfway through that development um, I think one January we had a recorded delivery letter which was missed uh, okay. from one of our houses um, I think Justin actually went to go and pick it up from the thing and it, it was about 7 o'clock in I think mid-January quite a dark dull evening <laughs> and um I got a phone call from Justin saying, I've just got this letter from Barclays. And I, oh, sorry, the High Street Bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, he said, can I come round? And I think, oh, no, you know, I thought we've got, we're out of this. And, you know, what, what do they want now? And he sounded really kind of, out, out of sorts, I guess is the best way to put it. So he came round to the house and um, he said, you have to read this. And my, my heart actually sunk because... It was, was, you know, they've put us through so much pain. Mm. You know, what do they want now? And um, and Justin had a very straight face. And uh, the letter basically said that we, we had a redress for the hedge. Um, and it was quite a lot of money. So okay. that suddenly recapitalized the, wow. <laughs> the, the business. <laughs> so you've been somewhat. through all those hard times and then... Yeah, and the money that was yours really yeah, came you, back to you. Yeah, 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 very much so. So the, the, it was deemed that the hedge was missold. 
Mm. And uh, there was a redress of all that. And so that suddenly gave us an extra piece of capital. I mean, the, all those funds went straight back into the business. And, yeah. um, I assume at that point you're still self-funded. Everything that you'd put in was still predominantly in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, I had a huge director of loans in the company, um, which I couldn't exit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the priority was the company. Yeah. And it was a matter that, you know, the Homes England money or HCA money at the time was, was for that development and that, that had to make it work. Um, but this was a new capital. And, you know, we, I don't mean once did we ever say, we're going to take a bulk load of money out of this. Yeah. Because actually it wasn't about this. Actually, we can really get going now. We, yeah. can, we can really make a difference now. Because everybody else has disappeared from the market. Yeah. You know, you've got proper developers, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Still developing, but everybody yeah. that was playing at it has disappeared in the market. Huge. Land, the landscape has changed. Yeah. Really, really changed. Um, yeah, before every man and their dog was developing. Yeah. Now no one's developing really you've got the old person doing little stuff um but there's opportunity you've got the nationals surely because they are building huge amounts aren't they and particularly on the mainland you know every site yeah you know they're building hundreds of houses at one time in one development all over the country yeah uh yeah the nationals have a wonderful model don't get me wrong um they do develop on the isle of Wight. Okay, um, but they have limited. They've pretty much made a decision now that they don't want to develop on the Isle of Wight. Okay, um, and yeah, it, it's a different market. It is, it is a niche market. You've got to understand your market over here. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, not many people want to cross over on that ferry, and no. I, I do understand that, and I do get it. But despite suppose, it being the sunny, sunny Isle of Wight, it's, it's always sunny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apart from this winter, which <laughs> hasn't been the best building conditions. But no, I can imagine. Um, yeah, so, so have we got a niche on the Isle of Wight? Yeah, I suppose, you know, there's there's a lot of smaller developers probably building yeah. up to 14, 20 units. Um, but those big nationals, they're moving off. Uh, has given us a great opportunity to really move forward on, on the on the land sort of side and, and take advantage of deals that we'd, we'd never even dream of doing. You know, even years ago, aspiring to do these sort of deals yeah. uh, has been fantastic, really. Um, and has given us a real springboard. So I suppose from our business now, it's, it's a matter of saying, what do we do? Do we actually take these deals we've got now, make the money and retire? Yeah. Or do we say this is a springboard? Yeah, this okay. is a springboard to actually move forward. I, I can see on your face that you're smiling, you, you know the answer to it. <laughs> I can see what the answer is going to be. <laughs> to me, uh, it's a springboard. Was there even a moment where you considered actually through that hardship and that sacrifice that perhaps what you should do is just do couple more developments make that money back and live a different life or do smaller developments no okay that's categoric because <laughs> what i mean what we are talking about uh just for the listeners i mean you know we've seen it uh, this morning so if you want to talk about the size of the site the term of the build the number of units it's going to have just to give some context to okay, where you so are now. we've the site we're, we've just entered onto now um, has planning for 86 houses on the, so we've gone from flatter development to housing development which is quite a different game yeah. um, but it's got 86 houses on and on the first phase and we're just about to submit planning now for a further 472 houses so we own or oh, got control of the land around the site yeah um, it's in a, it's from from the local authorities bonus side it, it's developable um, so it's, it's in the allocated land section. So we've got a very good chance of getting this planning. So in the next yeah. three weeks, we're looking at submitting a planning application. Fingers crossed. Yeah, me. fingers crossed. I mean, we've done an awful lot of work on it. 
Mm. And you know, it's, a lot of people look at it from the outside and, and say, oh, you just get planning on it, you make all this money. But actually, the risk money you invest in that, you know, is a huge amount of money. You, you and risk. what timescale has this site been? Uh, you've been, work, been working on it? At least three years we've okay. been working on this. So, so that sort of gestation period is, is a long period as well. To, to And that's not even getting on site. That's the point to get planning. Um, so yeah, the, the business models changed, mm. changed an awful lot. You know, we're now, it's not just two of us anymore. We've got a whole team. So that model has changed and actually think about how you, how you work that. Cause you're not necessarily working in the business. It's yeah. working on the business now. And so th- this is a transition point. So I reflect on the story we heard earlier about you developing the flat and then buying the house and, and then transcending to actually going to go freshwater build 11 flats that being a big transition and then this transition from uh, building discrete developments of you know 20 30 flats and a few townhouses or or something to a site that could possibly be over 500 when complete is a big transition and you're building the team what's been the tougher transition so far that first one or this one now this one now okay by far why um because I suppose I was young and naive at that point. You just, just get on to it. Now is this is this is where the tough this is where the challenge starts. Now, um, before we develop, we we branded each development. We we were the developer was wasn't really there. Um, we've really looked at actually who are we and what are we and getting that values of the company, getting, getting the focus and the vision of where we want to go to. Right. Um, actually not just building houses uh, but building homes is something yeah sounds quite cheesy but actually it's something that we believe in um you know when we first looked at this land and we started looking at the planning and how how we did this master plan it was saying what is excellence what what is an excellent development and again it wasn't about money it's about building communities and and places that actually i can take my kids to and Mm -hmm. that they're proud that actually dad built this uh, in 20 50 years time um so it's, it's really understanding that actually building excellent and i think from that bringing the company to a customer focused business as well yeah uh, again builders or developers just build and they will come but yeah. actually understanding what does our customer want and being the best in the best in class yeah um you know we may build different types of housing and they will be in different classes like they'll be from um, mansions through to you know, your everyday sort of housing but actually can we be best in class um, we talked about the nationals earlier and actually saying well what, what do they do and what do they do well and what how can we better that how can we have those niches really from um, from the specifications and I think that's always been one of our mantras actually we want to give a better specification we want to give better value for money really and really we don't want to charge extras for absolutely you, you buy a house from the nationals i was reading the article in the paper the other day about someone in nottingham bought a house and the, their, their back garden is a quadmire basically but they don't put turf down they don't do anything well you, you can have turf but it costs you yeah everything's an extra yeah and to me um no I, I, yeah yes we do have extras in our house you you've got to buy a carpet but actually fundamentals of turfs and and, and and that sort of side and, and a roof <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah, yeah. But what do you mean uh, can we go back to a term you said you said which i really love is homes not houses yeah um, so what does i think you started to explain that in that short segment there but what do you really mean by homes not houses well i, I suppose 
it's, it's the community element of it. Yeah. A cohesive community uh, is, is, is key. So to me, it's not piling them all in and, and it's actually having quite a, a low, lower density. Yeah. And sometimes less is more. So, yeah. you know, having this model of, of cramming them all in rabbit hutches and that sort of side and, and really looking at what the customer wants as well. So, you know, I, I think certainly I mentioned earlier that affordable housing is really close to me and yeah. I, I believe very much in affordable housing and actually looking at that model as well about how we build a place that people want to call home, they respect as home. Mm. And I think if you've got the respect and respect in your community, then actually that builds a really nice environment to, to live in and, and work in. And, you know, we do all live and work in around our houses now. And, you know, if you can build that, that's to me, that's my job, not necessarily just building houses. Right. That sounds like you've got a definition of success after all. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but where does that bar stop? <laughs> yeah, where does it, yeah. Where does it get to? Okay. And so how have you, so you've now, you know, we've sat in your offices now, so clearly not working from home at this stage. Uh, met your team, so you've got a, you've got a great team here. But that's a transition for you as a leader, isn't it? Because up to date, it's been entrepreneurial. You, Justin, you, Justin, against the world at times, or against the banks, maybe. Um, and now you've got a leader team and manager team. And that's not something you've had experience in. You know, you left school and really got into your own kind of self-employment straight away. For yeah. intents and purposes. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, a huge step, really. And actually, I think... The most important person, my number one customer, are my employees. Mm. And I think if you can try to focus and start at that point, then that's you're on the right road. First off, so these are the guys who can make the business. You know, they're the ones who's going to make this work and, and do do what we need to do. And if we get the right vision and cascade that through the, the through the firm and make sure that everyone knows where we're going. Uh, lovely term I had. We're all rowing in the right direction. Mm. You know, actually. <laughs> If we're all doing the right thing, we should be moving forward um, and empowering people as well, you know, getting the right leadership team mm-hmm. um, and giving them power to move forward and, and making them have a part of that vision as well. And how we, where we can move forward is really important. I'm really enjoying it. Okay. I really, really enjoy it. It's really that, that sort of um, culture side. Yeah. I guess that's the right word for it. But, you know, building that culture and actually... I'm so lucky. I am so, so lucky. And I, I come into work every day and leave work every evening with a great smile on my face because I love my team. I absolutely love it. And, Brilliant. you know, is it a family? You know, we've got a, a Captiva family WhatsApp group of the staff sort of thing, which is great. But is it a family? Um, I don't know. I, I, I said I wanted a team and a high-performing sports team. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I want, really. So is it a family? No, it's a team. But actually, what is a team? And actually, really... If, if we we all trust each other, we all want the same thing. We we're driving towards the same thing, and actually, I'm I'm lucky. I'm so lucky. I've got that great team early on. Yeah. Um. And again, we've got some great values, and those values are are being moulded whilst we're small at the moment. So, as we've got to make sure that those future engagement that, of future that's a tough challenge that uh, businesses that go through scale mm. yeah. sometimes forget, or even when they want to try and do it to try and scale so so that, that that's quite scary for me yeah um, and i guess most of my work now isn't necessarily in the business it's more on the business yeah. uh, and creating those systems and not necessarily processes but making sure we're all going in the right direction it's uh, funny isn't it that we um a lot of us i suppose i came from a corporate world, so i rebelled about having yeah you know, again not process but systems and 
and measurables and you know and actually we were bad against that but actually you start to recognize done the right way they're hugely valuable yeah i mean that, and that's how you can scale that awful word corporate it's, yeah. it, it shouldn't be awful really it, it's, it's systemizing yeah. and that's you know, actually any business needs systemizing you can't uh, grow without no. systems and you need to have measurables you need to have something yeah. to mark yourself by um, but they've got to be appropriate and fit for purpose. Yeah, yeah, and attainable, really, yeah. you know. So it, it's, it's setting goals as well. Yeah. Uh, people need numbers. You know, you, 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 if you don't have a number, you have nothing to strive for. Um, so it's getting... But it's setting the right goals, isn't it? Yeah. And again, it's not necessarily about, in my opinion, the monies. It's about the things, setting the goals that will be the measurables and the KPIs that will drive the business to get the right results. Yeah, very much so. And you're, you're very right, it's not necessarily about the money. Uh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of KPIs that... In your world, yeah. it must be about numbers of viewings and, yeah. and inquiries, and because that eventually will lead to a sale. Well, again, it, you monitor them on a weekly basis, and you can start seeing the trends. You can see, actually, what marketing is working. You know, what, why are viewing, what are we marketing at the moment? Yeah. So you can start really judging that early on stage and obviously you know how many viewings roughly it takes to get a sale. So you can then start predicting that forward, predicting that with a, without just saying, oh, we're going to get two sales this month. Or, yeah, you can start predicting it's that. meaning to your spreadsheet, Jim. Well, yeah, <laughs> not, not the fictional thing. But it's, yeah, from that sort of side, yeah, you, you need that. Um, but again, it's that, that team, that organisational health. I think is so important, mm-hmm. and you know, th- these are the guys that are going to go and do it. They're the ones who will succeed, and actually understanding what are they good at, mm-hmm. and actually there's some things they might not be good at. So can yeah. we delegate and elevate those people into different Later things? Their strengths, yeah, and very weaknesses. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I'm, it's a challenge. And like we started saying, this is the biggest challenge I've got at the moment. Yeah, but actually, I'm really excited about it's it. When you're embracing, okay. Let's round up with a quick few kind of quick fire. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> questions. Um, so let's go with who has been your greatest inspiration? This is probably my father, actually. Okay. Um, so to home, really. Uh, and a great sounding board as well. You know, we don't work with each other at all, but actually we, it's great to have someone who's outside the industry that you can really bounce off ideas and, and that sort of side. So, yeah, probably my father. I suppose outside that, you know, I love Rich Brands. I love everything he stands yeah. for as a celebrity sort of status already. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty cool. Okay. Are you a believer in personal development? And if so, how do you develop yourself? Um, not as much as I should do, but yes, I do. Um, peer-to-peer group with Evolve has been really enlightening, really, really enlightening, actually. And it's 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 quite tough for me from the Isle of Wight to get over to the, the meeting, um, but it's um, every time I go there, it's it's wonderful talking to like-minded people. And actually, really, that open forum is fantastic. And actually, to any problem you've got in a business, it's that closed room. We, we can yeah. talk about it. They've been through it. They've done it. And actually, they've built these cultures. They've built these teams already, some of them. And actually, to say that this is right and having that open sort of feedback and yeah. saying, look, but you can help with them, them with some of the challenges and issues that yeah. they see. It's that accountability and putting like-minded people in the room together is and so powerful it's it? magical that's that's it's, it's not powerful it's magical fantastic and finally i usually end with how do you find success but i think we've covered that in the podcast so i'm gonna finish with what hard thing in business or personally are you not doing enough of oh there's lots of things not doing enough of um probably that a bit of that personal development as in giving myself time and that 
family balance side is is always yeah. quite challenging. Um, certainly where your your business is growing, uh, so that's that's quite challenging, really. Um, I do have hobbies, and you yeah. know, I need to get a lot fitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's so that sort of side of it. Um, you know, we are changing as a business at the moment, and actually, from my side, to have that sort of visionary time a little bit more is something I'd like to have really to to be able to take a step away a little bit and, and not away from the business, but actually to give myself even an hour mm. a week. Just to reflect. To reflect. Uh, it's very hard when you've got those challenges, those daily challenges hitting you every day, what you need to do. So that's something I'd like to improve on a little bit more. Okay. I did say that was going to be the last question, but something I did want to touch on and I forgot to is I know that you're really passionate about the RNLI. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think since your early 20s, you've been part of the Benbridge yeah. on my uh, boat team what does that give you oh, that's uh, it's amazing institute um i've been on the cruise since 2003 so quite a long time now wow. um i've gone up through the ranks uh but camaraderie yeah. is, is one of the big things really um teamwork you know we yeah. talked about team in, in 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 the industry and when work but it's a it's a different type of team um but certainly that camaraderie that teamwork it's great fun as well. You know, everyone says, oh, you're out risking your lives and hurricanes and stuff like that. But you know, the fact is we, we do enjoy what we're doing, what we do. We get to play in a sort of three million pound boat and, yeah. uh, you know, we, we enjoy it as well. But it's, and, and there's a huge sense of sort of, I don't know, it's, it's selfless. Uh, it's, it's helping people is, is something quite amazing, actually, and what that gives back to you. And, you know, we've talked today about non-monetary things and non-monetary rewards. And I think, you know, certainly where I feel I'm in the business at the moment is actually it's not about the money. It's about building the team and being the best and the, the excellence aside. That's a very similar feeling I get from the lifeboat, really. It's, obviously, there is no money in it. We're volunteers. No. Um, but actually going out there helping people. And you know, a lot of jobs we do is just glorified AA jobs. You know, we're towing people in and that sort of side. But there, there are that handful of jobs where you've made a difference. Yeah, and I suppose you know, not bringing that work back in a minute, That's I think that's the key. Yeah, and maybe that satisfaction. Maybe that maybe that, yeah. that's yeah, doing it's, something it's for making, the community and being and doing yeah. something of greater value. Yeah, and life. you know, it's I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, lo- I love it. I'm, I'm proud of doing it as well. Brilliant. That was a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. James, if people want to find out about you, find out about Captiva Homes, where can they go? Yeah, captivahomes.co.uk uh, is our website. Uh, you have a look on there if you want to get in contact. Our number is on there. You give the office a call. Very happy to talk to anyone. Um, I love that sort of peer-to-peer sort of talking. So, you know, I'm very happy to speak to anyone. Let people reach out to you. Brilliant. Thank you, James. Thank you for yeah, being on the Evolved to Succeed podcast. Thank you. The financial crisis hit lots of businesses hard, but it certainly hit those who had any involvement in the property sector possibly the most. Therefore, it was good to talk to James about that roller coaster ride, and it reminded me that contrary to the general perception, at times our journeys in business will be hard, and this will have an impact both on our personal as well as our business lives and successes. However, It is how we act at such times that will determine the long-term success. And if we dig deep in those times and find our focus, our passion and our belief, we can come out the other side stronger and more resilient. 
Consequently, I do hope you've taken away some positive insights and thoughts from that podcast that will help and assist you on your journey. Please remember, if you want to access further insightful content, events, and inspiration, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and register for free to get access to the Evolve community. You can also learn more there about the peer groups run by Evolve, the advisory development and coaching services provided by Evolve as well. If you're a business owner and want to work with a forward-thinking, award-winning, independent firm of business and tax advisors, then I and the team at Inspire would love to hear from you. Please go to inspire.uk.net to learn more about Inspire. I hope you've really enjoyed this episode, and if so, please do rate, review, and subscribe to future episodes. I look forward to you joining me again next week. Thank you.